1: I was with you. I thought Cowboys were were headed to the Super Bowl.
2: Hey, we're still headed to the Super Bowl, if you ask me. I'll say
1: they're not out. They're not out yet. But if you can't beat the winner of the NFC East last year, the Washington football teams, and they're decimated by being the Washington football team.
2: I don't really give credit to teams for beating teams that they should beat. You know, the Washington football team, you're supposed to beat them. They're not a good football team. I'm sorry to all the the fans out They're not a good football team. What's up, what's up, Take Liners? No, you are not still hungover from New Year's Eve. Jason and Renee are off this week, but don't go anywhere because you are still getting a full episode of Take Line today hosted by myself, Ashley Nicole Moss, and...
1: Me, Brandon Newman. That's right, you know Brandon Newman from uh, Barstool Sports, co-host of the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast with George Taylor. Shout out, and now producer, social media guy for NBC's Brother from another. And if you didn't know, I played football at the University of Notre Dame, defensive lineman, 2012's Scout Team Player of the Year. That was my senior year, but who's watching?
2: And it's your girl, Ashley Nicole Moss from Sports Illustrated SNY TV and co-host of Certified Buckets. But look, that's enough of all the credentials and the talk talk and the chat chat because we know our shit and we know you people came here for a good time. And that's what we're gonna give you a good time. So let's get started. Amen. All right, Brandon. So 2022 in the NFL started off with a bang. It's like we couldn't even get one day of just calm football to start off the year after the crazy year that we had because Bucks wide receiver Antonio Brown left MetLife Stadium before. The game Mm. ended again before the game ended in what seemed like just an explosion of frustration. He took off his pads, took off his shirt, threw all of it into the stands. Twitter and NFL media had a field day afterwards. And then head coach Bruce Arians said that a B and I quote is no longer a buck. That was the full statement. He is no longer a buck. Doesn't want to talk about him. He is no longer a buck. So just in terms of straight football analysis, because, again, everyone has their opinions. Everyone thinks they're a doctor on Twitter or a scientist or all that stuff. What is just your view on this entire A-B situation after what happened on Sunday? Because I don't think I've ever seen something that intense actually happened in the court. You hear about things like in the locker room or right. at halftime or, you know, when the teams are loading on the buses, but not in like the middle of a game. Like the teams not were still time. on the field. They were on the field.
1: The offense was on the field for the Bucks. He was supposed to have his shoulder pads on and be on the field. Instead, he had everything off waving to the crowd as he went away. Listen, you talked about how we never seen anything like this before. This was the most selfish thing that we've seen out of any NFL football team. This is a team game, football, where we need everyone. He quit on the team. He quit on Tom Brady. He quit on Bruce Arians. All these people that gave him a bunch of second chances. And for whatever reasons, I'm hearing uh, whispers that he thought he was too injured to go back in the game. And that somebody said that he's supposed to go back in the game. And Bruce Arians said, you can go ahead and get your shit and get out of here. Which A.B. did But my thing is, A.B. is, what's Denny Green quote? They are who we thought they were. (laughs) He is who we thought he was. This is the same type of activity you would see from somebody who would go live after AFC Championship game on Instagram and and put Mike Tomlin's business all out in the street. Like, that was a no-no. What do they say? Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Fame's a hell of a drug. Yeah. Ever since he became A.B., Ever since he graduated from Antonio Brown draft pick for the Steelers, Steelers know the wide receiver picks and uh, the best thing that came out of the Mac central Michigan, when he became a B and got that B chain, he became a whole other rock star that can't be controlled. And my problem is he single-handedly put himself out of the running forever being a hall of famer, which is the biggest honor that you have as an NFL player,
2: which is a travesty because you can say yeah. a lot about a B. You can't say that he's not a hell of a football player, a hell of a talent. I think, there's a lot to unpack here. I think for starters, I mean Tom Brady's response to, you know, the media after the game is very telling because he basically said and this is not a direct quote that we should offer AB compassion. So that just means to me that there's something that we don't know about and if anyone knows it it's Tom Brady. I mean this is somebody who fought for him to be on this team. And not only that, but AB was living with Brady at one point. So if anybody knows what he's dealing with outside of the game of football, it's Brady. So I think that's telling. I think it's also very important for people to not armchair diagnose Antonio Brown. Nobody, like I said, is a doctor or a scientist, we don't know what's going on with him. I do think it is very telling also that if it, is, if it is true that AB, you know, and, and you played football, so you know this. A lot of times you'll have an injury, but you try to you try to ignore it and play through it, right? right. At the end of the day, these guys want to play football or sports in general. You're a competitor. You want to play. But sometimes your body gets the best of you and it tells you, look, you can't continue. So if AB did tell his coach or his coaches, like, look, I can't give you anymore. I, I just don't have it. And that was the reaction, like either play or get the hell out of here. That's also another conversation because that's very concerning from a coaching staff that is supposed to look out for the betterment of their players. Now, again, there's two sides to every story and then there's the truth, right? It's usually Mm -hmm. bits and pieces of of both sides. But I think that that reaction, it's not like, you know, they just said, Oh, we're not going to put you in, in this play. You're going to have to say, and he just lost. I, I think there's more to it. And I think we have to be quick to not chastise him because of past behavior too.
1: Right. Right. And obviously we're not trying to diagnose anyone. We don't have any uh doctoral degrees, but
2: I just play one on TV sometimes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Listen, the Bucks were down. Right. To the New York Jets in New York. And their main weapon going into the game, Chris Godwin, not to make a big switch over into the the X and Os of the game, but Antonio Brown was their number one receiver going into that game because Mm -hmm. we lost Chris Godwin, and obviously we need him. He had a couple catches in that game. Third quarter, at that point in time in the game, you have to know that football and the team is bigger than you. It's bigger than whatever conversation Bruce Arians had with you. It's it's bigger than whatever uh, conversation the coaches, whatever strife he has. Mike Evans went over there and tried to calm dude down. Like RP to John Madden. I wish I had to tell a telestrator of John Madden's like, okay, you see A B is going mad, he's taking shoulder pads <laughs> the off. The yellow, um, the yellow marker. <laughs> yeah. Mike Evans is trying to tell him cool. Then he takes his he throws his gloves and his shirts into the stands. Like A B is extremely selfish. And I guess I feel offended that he let his team down more yeah. than anything.
2: I think the selfish thing comes into play on how he left. Again, if he was unable to play because of an injury, they're saying it's his ankle. If that was the case and Bruce Arians did say, look, you either play or you get the hell out of here. And I don't know if that was the direct quote, but I'm just saying for dramatic effect, right. You know, AB could have left without causing a scene the way he left was selfish. You know, if, if you were unable to participate, if you were unable to contribute and that was the ultimatum you were given, then leave. Don't be a distraction to the team in the middle of a play. This is not at halftime. This is not during a timeout. There was a, game going on like literally a possession going on and all you did was just cause an unnecessary distraction to your team i understand you kind of prioritizing yourself and your health first i think any player should do that in that situation if you say even if you're an employer you say hey look i don't feel well and they're like well either you you work or you quit okay (laughs) bye like you know what i mean but there's a way to do it and i think that the way he did it again is just another strike against him in a character trait Of being selfish. There's a lot of things that AB has done in his career that just come across very me first. And this was just another strike against him. And it's unfortunate because the reason that he left may be legitimate, but it's kind of distracted or it's covered by all the antics that you did on your way out. You know?
1: Right. Yeah. And the me first thing, uh, was it two weeks ago? Fake vaccination card? Like, how me first can you get? And that's why I think it's less about mental health in my opinion and more about character for antonio brown because he does what he's always doing and tom brady needed him that's why he got so many second chances the tampa bay buccaneers wanted to repeat they got everybody first team to get all 11 starters on both sides of the ball to, to resign again they're trying to run it back you know yeah. tom brady wants to win another super bowl obviously and at the end of that game what do we see Tom Brady threw a, a pass to Rashad Perriman of all people to win the game. Like Tom Brady would like Antonio Brown, but he doesn't need Antonio Brown and the Bucks don't need this distraction. That's why Bruce Arians is taking the heat that he's taking. Cause he said, Oh, this is the last chance for AB. So, Oh, he's back and we got somebody injured. Okay. Well, maybe one more chance for AB. And now he's got egg on his face for not standing up for what was right in the moment. But I think this is a complete distraction for a huge game, uh, MVP statement game for Tom Brady. And now we're just talking about uh, Antonio Brown.
2: Well, the, the full quote from Bruce Arians is he is no longer a buck. And then the continuation is that's the end of the story. Let's talk about the guys that went out there and won the game. And also, A.B. did not fly home on the team charter. And then that's another layer of this story. He took a uh, private car service. It, initially, people thought it was an Uber. It wasn't an Uber. It was a private car service that, you know, the driver works with other athletes as well.
1: Danny Boy and they're
2: yeah, then they're on like Instagram live and and just don't even know where they're going. It looks like they're on, like, the adventures of, of Harold and Kumar. Like, I have no idea what's <laughs> happening. New York. New York. It was just very odd. And, again, that just goes ahead and just speaks to the me first kind of mentality. When, if A.B. is in the right in this situation, when it comes to the underlining layer of Bruce right. Arians giving him that very terrible ultimatum, when your player's coming to you and saying, look, I can't do it. I can't give you any more. If that is the case and that is the true story, it's kind of negated by everything that you did. Because had you left with some dignity and said, you know what, I'm just going to leave. And then this story comes out. Right. Bruce Arians looks like the bad guy. But right. because you left like a maniac and it was very, oh. look at me, look at me, look at me. You're jumping up and down shirtless in the end zone and all that stuff. Now it's like, OK, yeah, what Bruce Arians did is is ugly. But look what you did, A.B. Like, you lose your box to stand on, if you will. Right, It just, it looks messy.
1: Yeah, it was completely messy, but that is A.B.'s brand, unfortunately. I mean, think about why he got pushed out of Tom Brady's old home with the Patriots. Like, that was a very short-lived stint with the New England Patriots because— ab's messy uh, the vaccination card came out because he didn't pay his personal shift ab well let's let's, let's
2: get let's get into his timeline real quick so you can speak on that some more this is just some of the stuff that has happened in ab's career 2018 he got into a very public disagreement with big ben while he was mm-hmm. still on the steelers um that same year he was sued for throwing furniture off his 14th floor apartment um, in Thanks. 2019, it was a situation with Brown's former trainer, Brittany Taylor, who accused him of sexual assault on three different occasions. In 2020, um, police in Hollywood, Florida were called to his residence following several domestic incidences. And in 2021, the fake vaccination card and now the situation and what happened in New Jersey at MetLife. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot there. There's a lot there.
1: I, at first, I thought his talent will always supersede. You know, we give a upteenth amount of second chances for people who are talented in the NFL. Absolutely. And A.B. is at the top of that list for a lot of people. But I think this is it. I, I think this is, he's done, he he made his bed, he has to lie in it. Uh, I don't see any team, I mean, the Bengals used to be the team that pick up all the trash that was running around the NFL. I don't see any team willing to stick their neck out and give A.B. a chance just to catch some balls. Him in the locker room at this point in time is cancerous, and I don't like calling people cancer because I think that's dangerous territory to be in. But A B, as you said, has a track record, and you kind of have to believe who people tell you tell you they are at the end what of the about, day. What about
2: what about the Rams? The Rams are looking to to make a push for the Super Bowl, and obviously <sighs> Robert Woods is is no longer. Um, a part of the team because of injury for this season. Obviously, Odell Beckham, but Odell was supposed to be wide receiver number two to Woods. Mm -hmm. So now they're, you know, down. Deshaun Jackson didn't work out. He's in Vegas now. So they could use additional wide receiver help.
1: The Rams yeah, are fine. Okay. Cooper Cup is in the MVP conversation. Uh, Odell Beck is, is kind of like coming to his own now. They beat my Ravens at the at the last second. I can't stand the Rams now. Like they're trying <laughs> to win in the Hollywood way of just picking the pieces. They're trying to win like the little Los Angeles Lakers are trying to win a championship, and we'll we'll get to them later. But a big bunch of big names, but the defense is really. I mean, Von Miller stepped up. Listen, I. The Rams are not going to stick their neck out for Antonio Brown. I think I think the ownership is smarter than that. I think Sean McVay is smarter than that. Uh, they already have a Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey already punched his teammate in the in his face today. They have enough going on in that locker room. I don't think they need more of. I say Hollywood Brown, that's actually his cousin. But whatever it is <laughs> that we're calling Antonio Brown after this fiasco, I don't think any team in NFL at this point in time need that in the locker room.
2: Well, circling back to what you said before we close out, you know, where does Antonio Brown go from here? You said that, you know, this may be the sh- the final, you know, strike against him that kind of prevents him from entering to the Hall of Fame. But on the other side, we've seen people enter the Hall of Fame that have been accused of, of doing some things. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. not going to name names. I think people, I think people know who we're referring to. So does that really make, or, or does this really make or break that case for Antonio
1: Brown? I think the disrespect to the shield and the teammates and the, uh, the camaraderie of that locker room. I guess the, the Hall of Fame always talked about, that's when they were talking about uh, keeping Terrell Owens out. The people in the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, there was words and, which and is a, rumors. Which was a travesty, right. by the way. Yeah, travesty. That, that, exactly. Yeah. But there's rumors that Terrell Owens wasn't welcome in the, in the brotherhood that was the Hall of Fame. If Terrell Owens had, had a little stink on him, had a little stink on him, Antonio Brown spoiled milk. I'm telling you, he made everyone sick. He, he, their milk was the same color, and everybody thought it was cool. And then they opened it up, had a taste. And now everybody's sick. Antonio Brown is spoiled milk for the NFL, and I don't think anyone. I, I don't. I'm trying to think if if one of these broadcast talking head networks would even stick their neck out and give him an opportunity to 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 speak. But listen, based off his music, I don't want to hear Antonio Brown talk either. Ashley, we have another old white college commentator, Kurt Herbstreit. For those who don't know, he pulled a classic back in my day over the weekend. During college game day, Herbstreit ripped college football players who chose to opt out of playing in, let's be honest, meaningless bowl games. I played football at Notre Dame, so I know a lot about playing in meaningless bowl games. So I have my <laughs> thoughts. But what was your reaction to what Kurt Herbstreit said about college football players in this era not loving football
2: i just can't stand these back in my day like type of takes like it's like back in my day we used to walk five miles to school and no right. like okay that's great we have cars now grandpa i don't care you know what right. i mean like i don't need to do that that doesn't mean that like you you know are more dedicated to your schooling than i am it just means you didn't have the same technology that i had like why are you, you like why options. is that my problem you know what i mean right. My problem with this is that coaches, first of all, have done this, you know, have put themselves first time and time again. And it's, it's never like, oh, look what they did. You know, it's always like, oh, he's moving on to grander pastures and bigger opportunities. But when a player does it, it's almost like you feel like, how dare you? We gave you a scholarship to this school and a full ride and you're playing for the so-and-so program. How dare you not have loyalty? First of all, I'm here because of my talent. You're reaping the benefits of my talent. Without my talent, this football program would not be as good. So let's not forget it's a partnership. It's a relationship. And also, you You're know, all, right of these, all of these back in my day guys like to talk about how you know they need the the players these days need to do it better than we did. Now it's different opportunities until they actually do it, and that's that's what upsets me because it's a hypocrisy, right? Absolutely. It's oh, you know, it, I'm all for you know the business of of players getting theirs and, and you know taking you know their their brands into their own hands until they actually do it, not playing in the Fruit Loop or the Captain Crunch Bowl <laughs> when your draft stock <laughs> is is is, a, is potentially going to be affected. Is not you not loving the sport. It's you loving the sport enough and your longevity in it to make a smart decision. Like unless you're playing in the big bowl games and even then, if you don't feel like it's for you and you would rather not risk an injury that could potentially derail your entire career, then don't do it. It's not written in blood. When you sign a contract, when you when you you don't even sign a contract, when you went to Notre Dame, did they ask you for your blood to sign on the dotted line? No. No. <laughs> like you can Close you can change it, but your no. mind. You can change your mind. It's right. not a blood deal. It's not, you know, I have to give you my firstborn child. It's not written in stone. <laughs> like it's crazy to me that you equate making a decision that's good for you and your family and your longevity and your health with not loving the sport it's such like an archaic just asinine way of thinking and i'm tired of like hearing about it
1: yeah it, it's it's an old take from kurt herbstreet even he's back in 2016 he said the same thing when christian mccaffrey and leonard fournette decided to opt out of their nothing bowl games whatever and they're doing that just fine
2: be. uh leonard fournette has a super bowl ring so
1: exactly doing just fine so here's my <laughs> thing i think there's a lot of layers to this. Kirk Herbstrees obviously just protecting the uh, hostage situation that college football is under with ESPN right now. They want the biggest names to play in the biggest games. And at the end of the day, those players are looking for something bigger. Those players are looking at the NFL. They want to go play in their dream situation. Kurt Herbstreit's dream situation was college football. He loves college football apparently so much that he thinks that opting out of a bowl game is uh selling your mother for for goods. Like it's it's not the same situation at all. I don't like the fact that players are made out to be bad guys when they're making the best decisions for themselves, and that's just as simple. And it and it, it feels racial because it's usually always a white guy saying, "Black guy, why aren't you playing?" And I don't step into that territory, but. It's not the situation that NFL players are in. It's not the situation. But the take just puts college football players in a bad light for making the best decision for them. We talked We talked about it earlier in the prep meeting. Jalen Smith, uh, one of your Cowboy Cowboy draft picks in the second right. round after he messed up his knee playing against Ohio State in the bowl game. Everyone wants to be rah, rah, rah. Everyone doesn't think that this college football game is the be-all, end-all because it's not right. the be-all, end-all. It, it, it can't be. And all these other coaches, like you uh, made mention of, move whenever the hell they want to move. And it, it, bowl game season is for college football coaches to make the most money possible. All the bonuses are wrapped up in winning bowl games for big-time college football coaches. Players have no incentive to to play in these games or or to make big splashes in these games. And let's be real. All the college football players that need to play in bowl games to up their draft stock— Playing bowl games. All the college football players that don't play in football games because they don't need to, don't. The majority of them don't. I mean, Joe Burrow's a a different outlier because obviously he is who who we thought he was by the grade of game he had in his national championship game in LSU. But if he opted out of that game and then still... Does did what he's doing right in the NFL. I don't think anyone talks about it.
2: Right. And um, before I make my point, let me go ahead and read his full quote. So if everyone doesn't know it, you know, now you have that background knowledge. He says, and I quote, I just don't understand if you don't make it to the playoff, how is it meaningless to play football and compete? Isn't that what we do as football players? We compete. I don't know if expanding the playoff is going to change anything. I think this era of player just doesn't love football. There's so many just things wrong with that statement. It's like you don't love football if you make a decision that's good for your longevity in football. Like, how does that make sense? You know what I mean? It's not like you're opting opting out. It'd be different if you're opting out of the bowl game to like go to the beach. You know what I mean? These guys are opting out of bowl games and meaningless bowl games at that most of the time. Now, there are guys who opt out of the big bowl games and that's, you know, they're right as well. But especially when it comes to the meaningless ones, they're opting out of it because they're not trying to risk their longevity in football. It's not like they're just doing it for the fun of it. So it's like, Isn't that the definition of loving something is wanting to be in it for the long haul and the long term, not just thinking in what's in front of you, but thinking what's beyond you. Like, let's say you you're playing in the cat and crunch bowl and you break your leg and you were expected to, to be drafted. That could go ahead and change the entire trajectory of your life. And now what? Oh, I have to break my leg in a meaningless bowl game to prove to you, Kirk, that I love the game of football. Like, come on. That's so ridiculous and just so egotistical and narcissistic. I just can't stand it. I can't stand it.
1: It's not that these college football players don't love football. They do love their families more okay they do love their brands maybe slightly more but it's always connected to football i think tom brady has really shown the power of giving your all to football like give the reason i'm talking professionally right now instead of playing football professionally is i was like i don't know if i want to give my all to this whole thing like i I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket i I want to kind of be landing on my feet so i think these players are trying to set up their families for long not only themselves not only themselves as football players they want to generationally change the wealth in their family and they can do it by protecting their bodies for the games that actually matter which are the nfl ones jamar chase set out the entire 2020 season and he set a record for rookie receiving yards this weekend
2: and i also would be curious to know kirk if you feel that coaches who leave don't love football. I mean, somebody oh. that you probably know, Brandon, Brian Kelly left oh. before a bowl game and went to LSU. You look at Mario Cristobal left Oregon for Miami. You look at Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma for USC before a bowl game. And there's no type of you know backlash or chastising of, oh, these coaches don't love coaching. They don't <laughs> love thing. football. Right. They just left. Oh my God. Gosh, like the audacity. I can't. They don't love. No. What you say is, oh, well, they made a good business decision. That That's a right. whole lot of money. They're going to a better program. It's like if that's how you feel that abandoning something because there's a better opportunity to you is you not loving something. Cool. But I just ask that you keep that same energy across the board. Don't flip flop when it's you know beneficial to your point or to your logic. Because if that's how you feel, that's how you should feel about everything. But you pick and choose, and that's why I don't respect it.
0: This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.
2: If there's anything better than getting a few of your favorite things from McDonald's, it's getting a few of your favorite things from McDonald's for less
0: in the McDonald's app. Mm. Delicious. Order in the McDonald's
1: app today right now only in the app enjoy a breakfast sandwich for just one dollar like a sausage mcmuffin with egg offer valid one time per day from 4 29 to 5 12 24 at participating mcdonald's must opt into rewards For all of you who don't know, Ashley Nicole Moss is an insane Cowboys fan, and her stars lost to the Cardinals over the weekend, and she is not too happy about it, especially because with snapping the Cowboys' four-game winning streak, Dak Prescott hate is back. Tim of the Dallas Morning News, this morning wrote, Confidence in Prescott and the Cowboys' scoring ability has hit a new low. Ashley, I'm going to clear out here for now as you try and take down the Dak haters. Tell me how you're feeling.
2: Okay, so first of all, it'd be your own people because the Dallas Morning News coming out (laughs) after their very own is ugly. Mm Jeez, if you're not if you are not safe from the Dallas press as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, then it's over for the rest of us. But I think here's the thing: I think the Cowboys aren't used to having a functional. Defense, but not only functional, but really, really good. I mean, this is probably the best Dallas defense I've seen in years. I mean, shout out to Dan Quinn. He's doing an incredible job. Um, And I think because of that, it has taken some of the pressure off of the offense to constantly have to put up points, right? Because you know that if you go three and out, your defense is going to hold on the four and get you that ball back. Whereas in past seasons, you know, Dak knows if I don't score on every single drive or possession, rather, or at least try to, we're probably going to lose this game. So I think because you now have the safety net of the defense, they're more lax, but they're a little bit too lax. I think mm. there's there's a few situations. One, I think Mike McCartney, a lot of times getting out coach, whether it's, you know, in time management, whether it's knowing when to use a timeout, when to challenge or when not to I think that, you know, the offensive schemes are just very lax. I think they're very predictable. I don't think there's any creativity there. I think it's easy to defend. Um, And also Dak's decision-making is just off. I don't know if that's because he is still getting adjusted. Remember, Dak came back after his injury, and it was like nothing ever happened. I don't know if that's finally starting to settle in a little bit, and now Mm. he's a little bit more conscious of the fact that there was an injury and maybe of the fact that he has to play a little bit differently. I don't know if that's starting to get into his head more. I'm not sure. I can't really speak on that, but I will say that sometimes subconsciously quarterbacks when they have a safety net of a, a really, really good defense offensively, they, they take a, t- they take a couple steps back and you can see it, you know, his decision-making is yeah. not as quick. He's throwing balls that he shouldn't be throwing. I mean, dead into traffic. Um, Again, it's not just him. I think a lot of the schemes are not, you know, conducive for what this offense looks like right now. But I do think, you know, defense still wins championships, but I think people forget the other side of that. Your offense still needs to be able to score and, you know, putting up 56 points against the Washington football team is great, but it's the Washington football team. You have to be able to do that or at least a remnant of that against a really good football team like the Arizona Cardinals, like the Tampa Bay Bucks, like the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you can't, that's a problem because those are the teams that you're going to see in the postseason. You're not going to see the New York Giants and the Washington football team in the postseason. They won't be there. So if you want to be there for the long term, you got to know how to play that same style of football against really good football teams. And right now we haven't been seeing that.
1: No, and I mean, you touched on one, Great point of Mike McCarthy losing football games and being out coached. He do yeah. be doing that. Okay. <laughs> you see this a lot. You talk about leaning on the uh, complimentary football. Everyone talks about it. Uh, John Harbaugh's favorite word, complimentary football. It's uh, one of mine
2: too, by the way. It's one of my favorite phrases, that in complimentary basketball.
1: It's right, one of my yes.
2: favorite phrases. Yeah.
1: Complimentary. <laughs> um, but he's got Michael Parsons over there, right. possible defensive player of the year. Uh, he's got uh, Trayvon Diggs, who let's I I don't have to tell you because you watch the games he lets up a lot almost as much as he takes away like he's he's a liability at times because you know the home run hitters at corner they're usually intercepting the ball or you know letting uh something go over their head for for a touchdown so you're right with that here's the problem because quarterbacks will always get hate that's just that comes with the job Right, right right it just comes with it the problem is who we think Dak Prescott is he's a great leader He's a very, very talented quarterback, but he is not elite. I'm sorry to say it, and I oh, know we're not doing it, Brandon. Lot. Like I'm, we do nope. do it right now. Like, we're nope. gonna do it right now. We can
2: go into the gulag right now. Ashley, we're
1: not doing Ashley. This. I'm trying to tell you, <laughs> top five quarterbacks. I know preseason you said he's top five, and I and I feel that energy, and he's showing that. But in all reality, we can think of four to five quarterbacks more consistent, more. Mm, successful have the receipts that are better than Dak Prescott and he needs everyone else to sit around with him but you guys need (laughs) you guys your team you guys need the running game to be successful and you just don't see that from elite quarterbacks like uh Aaron Rodgers could have whoever the fuck out there and he's still the Packers are going to be in every game if not blowing out every game but I just don't it's not Dak Prescott's fault but I think we have to be realistic of who Rain Prescott is?
2: Well, I think, you know, the Cowboys being a run-heavy offense is not necessary. It, it's what it's always been, right? They are known for that impeccable offensive line, and it's been the case since, like, the 90s. That's just what they are True. known for, and it's, it's what – it's the style of constructing your offense that a lot of other teams have tried to mimic and have tried to follow because, it one, it protects your quarterback for the long term, and also it's mm-hmm. effective. You know, defenses get exhausted trying to constantly stop the run and you break them down easier. So I don't know if that necessarily is a strike against Dak because that's just the construction of the Dallas Cowboys as a football team. But I will say that, you know, I can understand the argument. And before I get into that point, Jerry Jones, you know, they asked him about the quote unquote slump. And he said, I don't want to say it's a slump, but that's probably fair. It's such a multifaceted evaluation i would say that our offense is definitely away where we were 5 to 6 weeks ago which is true 5 to 6 weeks ago they came out explosive dak it was like that you know the situation where he um fractured his ankle never happened and it was like mm-hmm. this guy didn't have a preseason holy crap like he looks incredible right. like who is this guy this is not the dak prescott that we thought we were going to get after no preseason and coming off of a terrible injury they looked really really good the offense was explosive the defense was clicking i mean this looked like a team that was going to go all the way this is like a team that you could not stop the defense has continued that trajectory and the offense has slipped now there's a lot of things that go into that obviously we we spoke about a bunch of them it's the play calling it's the clock management it's the coaching but then you know a lot of eyes are on Dak and if you that's why I hate stat lines because if you look at stat lines He played phenomenally. It was was a great game. game. But if you watch the game and you watch the intricate details, for me, it's not the ability that I'm concerned about. The decision-making is off. There's decision-making is not as sharp as it was earlier in the season. And I don't know if that's because it's all the noise of, oh, there's a slump and the the offense is getting outplayed by the defense, and that's in your head as you're trying Mm -hmm. to focus and run the ship of the offense. And it's causing you to do more than what you need to do. We saw the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. Remember earlier in the season, Patrick Mahomes, and his is the opposite issue because they don't really have right. much of a defense. But Patrick Mahomes was trying to do so many different things. And he was throwing balls into traffic. And he was he was forcing passes to receivers that weren't open. And he would run if he, I mean, I'm seeing the same type of play from Dak. A lot of unnecessary things when all he has to do is simplify it and play his game. And he's not doing that. And that's what's concerning.
1: Back to the basics. And that's that's what the biggest thing was. Even when Dak replaced Tony Romo, everyone at the end of that season was like, well, they're going to get into the film room and they're going to figure out how to contain Dak Prescott. When Dak Prescott isn't thinking about the the big things, he is amazing. He is so good, one of the best quarterbacks. And just to be clear, I'm always going to root for every black quarterback to do fantastic and, and, and great things in the NFL. What Issa but- Rae
2: say, I'm just here rooting for everyone black.
1: Hey, I'm rooting for everybody black. <laughs> I'm rooting for everybody, black coaches, especially quarterbacks. But yeah, I do think that the Cowboys. I was with you. I thought Cowboys were were headed to the Super Bowl. Hey, we're they still made, headed to it, the Super Bowl. If you ask I'll, me, okay? I'll say they're not out. They're not out yet. But if you can't beat the winner of the NFC East last year, the Washington Football Teams, and they're decimated by being the Washington Football Team. I don't I, I do think that losses at the end of the season help teams kind of like re, re-jigger what they need to do and and and, and be more polished but I want to see Prescott in the uh NFC Championship game. I want to see him play in the Super Bowl in in, L, in Los Angeles this year, but there's a lot of things, that, a lot of patches to clean up on defense and, and obviously Dak needs to stop putting the ball on the ground. That's my biggest thing. He gives the ball to the other team too much. If it's an interception, it's not a bunch of interceptions, but when he gets out of the pocket, he gets the ball punched out. He got them big-ass muscles. He can't really tuck the football the way he's supposed to tuck it. You <laughs> he know, does like, have I, huge I, legs. It is. His legs are huge. Yeah. <laughs> big-ass thighs. Yeah.
2: Yeah, his legs are huge. I think, you know, for me, I don't really – and this could be, you know, um, the competitor in me and slight pessimist. Um, I, don't, I don't really give credit to teams for beating teams that they should beat. You know, the Washington football team, you're supposed to beat them. They're not a good football team. I'm sorry to all the, the fans out. You're, they're not a good football team. I give credit when you beat the teams you're technically not supposed to, the more elite. And Arizona, look, for all of their shortcomings in terms of the things that they have lost this season, the players that they have lost this season, that is still a really good football team. So, for me, that was a statement game that you beat them, whether or not they're missing one or two guys, that's still a good team. They showed that on Sunday night, but that's still a team that you should be able to beat when you're at full strength. So, I think moving forward, especially when you start getting into the playoffs. Those are the good teams. There's no more, oh, you know, this is this is going to be an right. easy. There's no more easy win. Now you're facing the best of the best. And, you know, it's going to be interesting what that Eagles and, and Cowboys game looks like because that could possibly be a team that you got to see again now that they're unfortunately in the playoffs. It was – Plants. The Vikings can't do anything right see that's what Kirk Cousins gets for not you know that's a different conversation you know I'm not even gonna get into that but you know what the Vikings had one job for me one job and they couldn't even do it and I'm couldn't just do it. I'm done with them I'm done with them <laughs> I can't <laughs> All right, Brandon. So you, you gave me smoke about my Cowboys, all right? So now we're going to flip did. the script on you a little bit. And we're going to talk about your Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James. Okay, so now, <laughs> <laughs> despite the flashy numbers that LeBron has been putting up these past few games, and look, he's been holding down the fort the best of his ability. Happy belated birthday, LeBron, 37 years Damn. old, 19 Damn. seasons in the NBA. Despite all of that, the Lakers just don't look good. <laughs> they just, they just no. look like a bad team. Now, I actually tweeted at the beginning of the season that I don't think the Lakers are going to finish top three in the West. People came at me crazy like they like to do on Twitter for whatever reason. Yes. People, you know, like to come at me crazy. But that's cool. I'm from New York. I can deal with the smoke. Um, yeah, take. <laughs> listen, it is <laughs> what it is. But now that we're kind of halfway through the season, what is your takeaway from what you have seen from your beloved Lakers thus far?
1: I don't cry. If you not... need a
2: tissue, we'll we'll
1: get that we'll get that sent to you. <laughs> no, I'll, try, I'll, try, I'll try not to cry. Listen, I, I was not a fan of a lot of those moves that were made Ooh. uh in the off season. I love Carmelo Anthony. Me too. As much as I love Carmelo Anthony, as much as I want him to win a ring, I am terrified to say anything bad about Russell Westbrook, but we're here to talk, so I'm gonna let you know. Why are you terrified? Was... You feel like he's gonna come after you or I've I've seen him in person too many times, like <laughs> randomly so like I think if I talk shit I'm definitely gonna we'll start off off with
2: uh, something nice Brody I absolutely love the way you dress I don't care what anyone else says I think you are fly as hell okay now go
1: yes king fashion Uh stop giving this mu the ball. No, uh keep him on the bench. Uh I don't know how I don't know how to say this. LeBron James at the five position has been wonderful for the Lakers, but they stink and they they they're they're not good. But this is typical with LeBron James teams before the trade deadline. You go all in on LeBron James, you let him figure it out, you let him be the the uh, Jackie Moon. Shout out to Semi Pro, uh the <laughs> player coach, uh all the stuff. I'm gonna GM tell my kids that Clay court. Thompson
2: was Jackie Moon. I'm going to see if they, when they're old enough, yeah. if they know the difference. I'm going to play semi pro and be like, you guys know this is Clay Thompson? No oh way. Gosh. Is it Clay Thompson?
1: <laughs> you talking about the West. I can't, I'm terrified for Clay Thompson to come back. But listen, I think the Lakers are right where they should be based on that roster and based on how Anthony Davis can't stay on the court. I mean, as simple as that. I loved the bubble championship because that was the last time that we could legitimately win one. You know, Tyler hero played out of his mind in the bubble. It was just a weird different world that we got a chance to LeBron got his championship in the bubble. No one's going to have an asterisk on that, but the rest of these seasons,
2: I wouldn't know the Knicks weren't invited. So we didn't get that invite. It got lost in the mail. Apparently. Yeah. It got lost in the mail. Apparently we didn't even get an opportunity, but that's cool.
1: Whatever. That's cool. That's cool. All that, all I have to say is the the Lakers are right where they're supposed to be. They're not the best team in the West. They're not the worst team in the West. They're in a position where they're beating a lot of teams that they're supposed to beat, and they're losing a lot of teams that they're supposed to lose to. I mean, you can be as close as you want to the Grizzlies, but they have a better team. Yeah, than, absolutely. Than Le- and if LeBron James is your only go-to, Listen, we're not going to come back from games with LeBron James shooting three. I love that he can shoot. I love that he's uh, uh taking all the things. He's elite in all the different categories, but he can't be the only person on your team because he's LeBron James. He always needed somebody else and we just don't know who that other person is on this team. We we don't know. I don't know what their big 3 that came out 360 uh uh that was it uh Ad number three, LeBron number six, Russell Westbrook number zero. Like, no, no one's going to win with that. We can't even move Russell Westbrook. My thing is, I don't know who comes. Do we get Kyle Kuzma back?
2: <laughs> Kyle <laughs> Kuzma I don't, don't want to Brown. come back. Kyle Kuzma is chilling in D.C. He's flourishing. He's hitting. He's hitting buzzer beaters. He's hitting clutch shots. He's having he's flourishing. A, he's having a moment. Yeah, he's exactly. cool. He's cool.
1: So I, I just don't. I don't see. I think this is perfect. This is L.A. drama, right? This, and this it follows LeBron. I think that he. Will be better than a play-in game. I think he's gonna. Uh, they're gonna win the first round of the playoffs regardless of who they play. I just, I want to see what the roster moves are after after the trade deadline. And I honestly do think that Rob Palenka has something against LeBron James. I just do. I, I, think, I just think he does.
2: You know, I think it's interesting because Westbrook. I mean, if you look at you know this was him Sunday night versus the Timberwolves. It was a hundred and eight, one hundred three win. Um, but. I mean, 20 points, nine turnovers, shot zero from five from the three-point range. You know, (laughs) here's here's the thing with Westbrook, right? I'm a huge Westbrook fan, have always been a huge fan of him. I think people are now saying what they're saying about him, not because his style of play has changed. I think everyone's just now noticing it more. You know what I mean? Because here's the thing. He's always been the same player. It's just yeah. now that he's you. It's basically like the story of the scorpion and the frog. This is one of my favorite stories of all Ooh. time because it's it's such a deep story. Long story mm-hmm. short, the scorpion asks the frog to take him across the lake, and when he gets to the end of the lake, the scorpion stings the frog, and the frog dies. And he says, "Why did you sting me, scorpion?" As the frog's dying, he says, "Because I'm a scorpion, and that's what I do." Russell Westbrook has always been the same player. For you to get him on the Lakers and expect him to miraculously flip a light switch. And be someone different is the mistake of the Lakers. You knew Absolutely. what kind of guy you were getting. You knew that he, he, you know, he chucked up a lot of crazy shots. You knew sometimes, right. you know, he was going to give you a lot of turnovers. He works hella hard. He's one of the hardest workers. I think in the league, he beats himself up more than anybody can beat himself up. He loves the game of basketball you've never heard about him being a bad teammate, you know, never. even, even with the situation with KD and, and Westbrook, when that happened in OKC, I, I don't remember ever hearing, you know, Russ say anything bad about Kevin Durant. No. He, he, there's a lot of good about him, but I think people expected him to be something different when he got to LA and that's everyone else's mistake because he already shows you what kind of player he was. So for me, I just feel like, you know, LeBron constructed this team. Obviously, he couldn't okay it himself. That had to come from the higher ups. But this is what he wanted. So now you're kind of stuck because you can't move Westbrook. You can't move him. He makes far too much money and no one's going to pick up that contract. Nobody's going to pick him up. You might be able to move some of the smaller pieces on your team. You saw that they move Rondo and things like that. You might be able to move some of the smaller pieces in hopes that you can get somebody who can help fill the gap of AD and, and Russell Westbrook's shortcomings. But at the end of it, what this team is, is what you're going to deal with for the rest of the season. You're really not going to see a different team. This is just the team that you
1: have. And I don't want to, I don't know. We're supposed to end with that point. I can't let you say that. I can't let you say that this is going to be the same team. This is a team that, that steps into the family matters. uh, When Urkel turns into Stefan, like we are going to see the Lakers.
2: I say the roster is going to be the same. You're not going to see much changes to the roster. Now, how, if they go ahead and they're able to figure it out, and by April and, and May, you see a drastically better team, that's always a possibility. But roster wise, you're not seeing much changes to that after the deadline. It's just, it, it, I just don't see it happening. I just don't.
1: As soon as we didn't sign Alex Caruso, there was, seemed to be some sabotaging going on. Oh, that's white all I chocolate
2: say. is flourishing in Chicago. Leave Ugh. him alone.
1: <laughs> so, Ashley. In a departure from her role as assistant coach with the San Antonio Spurs, and in a return to her former franchise, we all know we're talking about, yeah. Becky Hammond has reportedly landed a head coaching job with the Las Vegas Aces. Woo! After interviewing with various NBA head coaching jobs the past few seasons, many are calling this move a downgrade from her current position. Ashley, what do you make of the move? And what do you think this says about where the WNBA is headed? It's
2: a downgrade. Why? Because it's the WNBA. You know what? OK, here we go. I'm going on a mini rant because I, I, I'm i tired of I'm tired of hearing this banter. I'm, I'm tired of hearing this rhetoric. Golf queen. The WNBA is not a stepping stone. It is not a downgrade. It is not a path you take to get ultimately to where you actually want to be. The WNBA, especially a head coaching position within the WNBA, is a legitimate job. It is a job that so many people would kill for. It is a legitimate head coaching position. It's not, you know, a consolation prize. It's not, you know, um, oh, you know, it's it's, it's just because she couldn't be in the NBA. It's not any of that. She is a head coach, period. I don't care if it's in the WNBA. This is the problem. People still are in this mindset that the WNBA is not a real league, that the WNBA players are not real basketball players. And that just, goes to show that they have not been paying attention if you've watched the wnba whether this season past seasons or you know since the beginning of its construction you would know that these are legitimate ball players some of the ball players within the wnba can school some of your favorite players in the nba they're not out there dunking the ball they're not there doing all those crazy trick shots yes i'll give you that but they're playing the fundamentals of basketball they're playing true logistical basketball and it's brilliant and if you want your son or your daughter to understand the true fundamentals of the game you you take them to a WNBA game Becky let's let's just run through her resume real quick she spent 16 seasons in the WNBA 16 seasons that is more experience than Steve Nash has as a head coach that's that's more experience than Truncee Billups has as a head coach I mean why is it that we give credit to players who have now obtained coaching positions when they really haven't done the work, it's mm-hmm. it's listen, I'm not knocking it, but it again, keep that same energy. I mean, she also was the first full time female assistant coach in the NBA with the Spurs. If you ask me, the Spurs hundred percent dropped the ball with letting her go. Yeah, that's a different conversation. Yeah. We can do a pop. we gotta we gotta we gotta stop doing this. We yeah. gotta stop doing this. you know, it's a stepping stone. it's a downgrade. Right. It's not a downgrade and just correcting what I said, she spent 16 seasons in the WNBA as a player. So player, that's yep. not more experience than Steve Nash and, um, Swansea Billets had have had as a player, but right. she certainly has more experience from a coaching standpoint than both of those guys.
1: Absolutely. And let's, uh, for the Kurt Streets of the world who are listening to this back <laughs> in my day. Yeah. Uh, 25 years ago, uh, the WNBA just finished the 25th season at the beginning Maybe this was seen as a step down, or maybe it was a downgrade yeah. for for uh the first woman assistant head coach in the NBA to go to the WNBA and, and coach her own team. But that's not the the world we live in. It's 2022, right? The WNBA is a popular, reputable, respected sports franchise. It's just as right. simple as that. You, you Open up your uh, sports betting app if you're in the right city and you can bet on the WNBA game. We're not talking about Chuck E. Cheese or a rec league game or, or a church league uh, that that people get together. Like this is the Las Vegas aces, like one of the best teams in the WNBA. The, right. the biggest fault here, in my opinion is the NBA, not even the Spurs, the NBA as a whole understanding their talent in the coaching realm and, I I, people throw around the term token and she can be that if she was the only one who was doing it to her, the best of her ability, she's coached NBA games. She coached more like to your point, she coached more NBA games than Steve Nash did when he got the job to coach the Brooklyn Nets and AD and Kyrie Irving.
2: And she didn't just coach anyone's team. She coached Greg Popovich's San Antonio Spurs. And when you say coaches, they're tears. And Popovich is the upper echelon Tip of top. coaches in the NBA. Tip so top. for him to entrust her right. with head coaching in his absence, for anybody to say, oh, it's a step down or it's a – she clearly knows what she's – and the only reason that she is not in the NBA, I feel, is because of lack of opportunity. I don't think there's any True. head coach vacancies right now. Yeah. But I 110% believe that if anybody – can make that transition and break that ceiling, it's her. She's yes. that good of a coach. And anybody who argues that has no idea what they're talking about.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, no doubt. I think she's she is a star in her own right. I mean, it was like she's replacing Bill Beer. who, from my perspective, from my vantage point, when Bill Beer started coaching in WNBA, I don't know if this is, like, backwards. That's when I started paying attention on a, on a real, real level. I was like, oh, what? Uh, a, a, The NBA... Bill the uh, Bad Boy Pistons. He's he's coaching. He's coaching in the WNBA. Okay, let me check these Detroit check these games basketball. Out. Me, Candace Parker is one of my favorite basketball players ever. She has brought so much. Like Becky Hammond is the Candace Parker of the coaching realm, in, in my opinion, of just like the star uh, in the making. And obviously, they have all the pieces of, at in Las Vegas to continue to ascend. But I don't even know for the people who don't think that this is a step up for her. I don't know how many games she can win for them to really justify. Right. They can win a championship, and, and they'll still say that Becky Hammond took a step down, taking the job as a head coach of the Aces.
2: It's the same, it's the same people who praise and, and idolize LeBron for making good on his promise to bring a championship back to Cleveland, which, right. listen, Godlike kinglike, King-like, more best. power to him. Right. But you know who also did that? Candace Parker. So what's good for the goose in this situation is good for the gander. So like, if you're going to keep that same energy and you're going to and, and idolize and, and praise LeBron for it, keep that same energy for Candace Parker. She made good on her promise to bring Chicago a championship. Mm-hmm. And what did she do? She brought them a championship in the year. She said she was going to do it. So it's this double standard that drives me nuts because right. it's like, as long as it happens in the NBA, there's always an excuse or a justification or it's a celebration. But when the WNBA does the same thing or or there's similar storylines, there's always an excuse as to why it's not the same or why it's not as good. Right. If you don't respect the W, you just say you don't like basketball. Like, it's really that simple. Ooh, like, just yes. say you don't like it. Yeah, I have more respect for you if you just say, oh, I don't really know much about ball. I don't really like it. That's why I don't respect the W. Like, just...
1: That's basically what you're that's saying all. you can't not you can't like basketball, watch the WNBA, and it's like this shit's trash. Like that's right. Not, like, there's and like, if you
2: do, you don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. It's really that simple. <laughs> all right, all right. So you know what that sound means. It is time for buzzer beaters, where we talk about stories that we did not cover in the show. Because of time. And Brandon, I know you've got a lot on your chest, so I'm gonna let you go first. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> the honeymoon period for Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame head football coach is officially over. Notre Dame lost in the festival in embarrassing fashion to Mike Gundy, who just took his mullet off and was wearing an OAN t shirt at the beginning of the season. Don't get me started. Okay. We lost again in a major bowl game. This is 0-10 that we that we Notre Dame, I play football in Notre Dame, blah, 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 blah. Uh that we lost. And I think, like I said, the honeymoon period is over. I think it's time to clean house for Marcus Freeman. It's not about uh keeping the guys around that were that were good for the morale. It's about building your football team and getting elite athletes. On your squad. You know the reason why Brian Kelly left Notre Dame for LSU? Uh, Jamar Chase, uh, Justin Jefferson. It's just those names, those big elite talent that will go to a LSU versus the big elite talent that will go to Notre Dame. Burra. I'm, I, <sighs> oh, okay. I, Don't get me started with him and fucking Bengals. Anyways, uh, that, that was my, I don't even know if I had a rant. I'm very, very upset. Notre Dame lost again in a major bowl game and in a, in a very embarrassing fashion. I guess this time it hurts even worse because the second black head coach in Notre Dame football history was there for his first game. So, and they didn't make any halftime adjustments, no point points and a half. I, listen, I go on and on and on Notre Dame sucks right now, but we will rebuild. And I do think the future is right behind Marcus Freeman.
2: What is it? The, the fighting Irish fight one. <laughs> yeah. 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 You guys yes. will fight on to live another day. Well, look, you know, <laughs> I didn't play college football, but I am an avid Knicks fan and, and die hard. Thanks, dad, for putting that pressure on me and, and that <laughs> bane of my existence for me for my entire life. There's a lot of other teams I could have been a fan of that would have brought me less stress. But here I am. And um, the Julius Randle scapegoat conversation that has overtaken uh, Knicks Twitter is now a mute point because the Knicks are 0-2 without him. And look. This is not to say, first and foremost, let me let me double back for a second. Fans who who celebrate their players being in protocol, you guys are trash. Okay. Oh my God. Rash. Garbage. At the end of the day, these men and women are still humans before their players. Have some respect. Have some decency. Who raised you? Obviously, they didn't do a good job. Man. So Julius Randle, I'm not gonna sit here and say he does not have his shortcomings. I'm not going to sit here. He does not say he does not have things he can improve on. Sometimes his attitude is a little wonky. Sometimes, you know, his ball handling is a little wonky. Sometimes his decision-making is a little wonky. But let's not sit here and pretend, Knicks fans, okay, that he is the sole reason that this team is not playing well. And if the past two games without Julius Randle did not prove that, I don't know what will. So now that you're without your scapegoat, now what? Now, whose fault is it? My thing is, is like, I am not somebody who who makes decisions or or gives takes an emotion. I'm a logical person. Okay. And a lot of the Knicks fan base tends to be overly emotional. I and mean, I get it. Really? Look, listen, I'm gonna tell you right now, New Yorkers, they're emotional. We're emotional. We don't, we don't, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a good Knicks team, and, and we're not trying to go back to the dark ages. It was a dark, dark time. Bing-bong. Gotta be, yeah. Don't. That's a curse. We don't. We don't. That's a, cur- <laughs> Add a, that's a oh, curse. Add it to level of curse. It's like it's like it's a curse. I don't. It was cool for four uh, games and now it's dead. My <laughs> thing is is simply watch the games, understand the logistics of what you're watching, and don't speak in emotion because then if you don't speak in emotion, you can understand that the laundry list of problems are bigger than Julius Randall. And let's not forget the same guy who, if it weren't for him and Derrick Rose. That playoff experience would never have happened. So I understand players, you know, they vary from season to season. Sometimes you're not always going to get a good season. Sometimes shooting percentages go down. Sometimes, you know, you know, his style changes, you know, you're not going to get that same energy you got. last. And I'm not excusing the lack of the things that he's been bringing to the table, but he's not the sole problem. So let's just keep that in there. That's all I'm saying
1: think y'all have some bad juju since tom tibbs took coach of the year from monty williams last year
2: no we got some bad juju when everybody and their mama started bing bonging us to death without (laughs) knowing what it meant (laughs) (laughs) half the people bing bong and don't even know what a bing bong is
1: ain't been on (laughs) the subway (laughs) yeah
2: ain't never been on a subway couldn't tell the difference from the b line to the d line to the c line but they got all that all of a sudden they bing bonging us to death i just can't lack of creativity from the social teams of opposing teams you guys should be ashamed of yourselves ashamed (laughs)
1: All right, guys, that's it for us. Follow and subscribe to TakeLine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to TakeLine Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode, plus Jason's digital series, All Caps NBA, which airs every Friday. Thank you for letting us fill in this week. Ashley, where can the people find you?
2: All right, so you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ash Nicole Moss, and that's the same handle on both really exciting stuff coming to you guys in the new year the second season of my show laces out should be dropping or we should start filming that soon so i'm excited to get that out to you also some cool stuff in the works obviously super bowl all star be out there and make sure you guys are following me on social to get all the behind the scenes and the the first to know of all that good stuff but brandon where can the good people find you
1: as well you can find me at brother Brandon underscore uh, on Twitter. Uh, just Brother Brandon. That's where I'm coming from. If you guys aren't following Ashley and Cole Moss, y'all sleep. Y'all can catch up when y'all need to. Likewise. You know what I'm saying? Laces out. Is the dopest shit that Sports Illustrated has done in a very, very long time. So shouts out to you. Shouts out to them. Uh, I've been here with greatness with everybody here, and uh, I appreciate it. But at Brother Brandon. I
2: like that. At Brother Brandon. That's
1: a cool handle. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Jason and Renee will be back next week. Love y'all. Peace.
0: Take is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Carlton Gillespie and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Our contributing producers are Caroline Reston, Elijah Cohn, and Jason Gallagher. Engineering, editing, and sound design by Sarah Gibbel-Laska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a mysterious room of long-forgotten, moldy mascot memorabilia. Often pitched by ad agencies, always rejected by NJM. Is it real? We may never know. But what is real is NJM's dedication to doing what's right for their customers. Astoundingly, they're proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Learn more at NJM.com.